0: man like Dan, come on welcome to million and proud today obviously as you can see in a nice little studio trying to improve for you guys and i'm here with the legend i don't even know what to say to describe him um colin james um he's doing a lot for the community. um we actually did try to record before fortunately due to internet difficulties had to delete that and just try again really because honestly like he really has blown my mind but um, he's just really doing a lot for the community so um colin works within um, an organization called gangs unite doing a lot with the youth um he's literally doing everything Uh, he's been doing it for a long time um he's used his whole life to try and like give back to others and try to help them out in terms of like learning from the lessons that he's got from the past and just sharing with other people so he's literally all about community everything that i am about as well so i'm just honoured. To have the man like him here, so without further ado, I just want to give you a round of applause because you deserve it, man. So,
1: <laughs> cousin James, Colin James. I said after an entrance like that, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. Ah. Yeah, you spoke about our last interview. Yeah, and um, that was one of my favourite interviews. That was. Mm. That was very deep, very personal, very open. Yeah, and um, it was a, sh- yes, yeah. it was a shame that we. He didn't catch that. Yeah. But well,
0: obviously, I, I personally, I feel that like every has for a reason because like, belonging belong on the lights. Yeah. Now we've got the bare angles of Colin. Look at him looking like a model and obviously the, vir- <laughs> <laughs> the virtual stuff is not really doing it. So like, every has for a reason. So like, Truth. just going to have to dig your brain again, really. Um,
1: so, in a nutshell, how do you sum up what you do? Like, in a nutshell, um, we meet needs and provide opportunities
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's in it in a small caption yeah um the work is vast and um so many different people and people have so many different needs mm-hmm. um young people lack so many opportunities so we try to provide those so um our work is complicated mm. i was a gang mediator when i first started mm. um it just wear many hats now mm. Many hats, many hats. Like, let's let's talk about your past, because like,
0: come from a lot, and there's not even just that. Like, I feel like your past really tells the story of yourself. It shapes your character, completely. and I know that's like a generic st- statement for people, but your journey has shaped you. So like,
2: let's go back to childhood, Like, right? Or and youth. Like, how was that like?
1: Um, I grew up in a home, um, with my three sisters. Um my dad, my mum, and dad divorced when I was a month old, so um never had a father figure in the home until I was kind of a couple of years old mm. and then my mum she had a partner from Jamaica mm. and he kind of raised me from afar mm. um he's the only father figure that I kind of have in my life yeah but um I learned a lot from him. From afar, yeah. we never really sat down and had any kind of conversation to say, this is what life's about. And it was more mm. someone trouble you, take up something and lick them down. Was yeah. that more? Bring them out closer
0: because we need to make sure they hear what you're saying. A bit closer, higher up, higher up. Higher yeah, up, yeah? That's the okay. Yeah, is that better? Yeah,
1: guys can hear him now, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was about um more defending yourself. Yeah. Don't let no one take advantage of you.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, We grew up in the 70s. Very racist in them times there. Mm. Had things like National Front with Skinhead, You had mod, you had punk rockers. Mm. You had Teddy Boys. Mm. And these was all racist white groups. And um, you had to defend yourself. You had to be tough. Um, when I was about eight years old, my life kind of took a turn because I got more aware of my needs. I knew at that time that I didn't have, I was beginning to understand that we was poor and um, I never got toys and all them things for Christmas and never got bikes and never got skateboards, roller skates, all the things that children get. So we never really, we never had those things. So I had to find and make a way in order to achieve those things.
2: Mm.
0: That's actually um, bad, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, Young life, young life was exciting. I grew up in Hackney. St Newton, mm. in an estate, you know, hundreds of children. Um, it had to be tough. You had to learn yeah. to fight. But also, it taught you more of a family kind of vibe because we shared everything. Mm. We had a portion of chips. We all shared it. Mm. We had a packet of crisps. We all shared it. When we made money, we shared it. Yeah. So um, the energy and everything was a lot different when I was growing up. Yeah. Obviously now it's different, but yeah, now we know yeah it's gone out, gone out the window now. But, um, my life kind of it was exciting because, like I said, I went into crime through necessity.
2: Mm.
1: So in the early days of crime, it was more falsifying sponsored walk tickets, you know, and going around and collecting sponsor money. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, more of those kind of silly little trivial things. It's mm. only once we started to get access to money that way. When I got to about nine and ten, I realized, boy, I need trainers. Yeah, I need clothes. Mm. You know, people call you tramp and never like that. Yeah. Oh, so it's literally from like age nine, ten. That's yeah. The that's like, yeah, you yeah. kind of step up now. You're more conscious that yeah. you, you've got to dress a certain way. You've got to look a certain way, and um. My mum raised four of us by herself practically, even though she had a partner, he, he never supplied any finances or anything like that, never mm. supported him that way. So my mom was struggling to kind of raise the four of us. So buying clothes and big training and things weren't going to happen. Mm. So we had to go out on the road. And like I said, I started doing crime through necessity and then after it became a habit and then it just became a way of life. By the time I got to 14, I was kind of in and out the road. So school. I wasn't taking school serious at 14. Up until then, my year seven and year eight, I was top of my year in certain things. I won prizes for certain uh-huh. things. So I had the potential. Yeah, But you know when you're young, you think you, you know everything and mm. you, that's what it was. And um, I thought I was smarter than the system. I didn't understand we was part of a system. I got expelled at 14 and I um, never went back to education. And then because now I was out of school and all my school friends was in school, now you start moving around with older boys. Now you you do everything to impress them. So with the crime levels change, you got exposed to different things. You got exposed to drugs. You got exposed to so much hustles. So um, yeah, ended up on the road. Yeah. That's interesting um, Could you said that it wasn't really by a choice. Like I guess technically
0: it is by a choice, but you felt like you had to it wasn't for well, that like image or anything like that. You generally felt like
1: you had to yeah, I said we never we never gave the road any kind of title like they give yeah. it today. You're just on the road. Yeah. That's where we grew up. We yeah. was never at home, never inside your house. Mm. So everything happened on the road. And um yeah, you had to make money. Yeah. Because there was no access to money. Yeah. So, so back it, then, like, did you see any way of like coming out of like your um, past or that environment I wasn't thinking about coming out of it I yeah. thought this was life this was my lot I remember growing up people used to say boy you never a man to nothing you're no good mm. so when life things like that started to happen you kind of accepted it mm. you took it on okay that I, I wasn't supposed to man to nothing and I haven't so it was alright so mm. like I said it became a way of life you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't change a cycle because now I was black, no education, criminal record. Mm. My short time on the road, I ended up going to jail four times, me, mm. in quick succession. Mm. The only way that I got out of that is a man offered me an option. He gave me a different point of view. I didn't think that you had it, I thought this was life. So, um. Wait, so what do you say then? you lost sight or like you had no vision like
0: you see blinded because like the way you're speaking about it you couldn't see it where you, never, you wasn't even thinking about coming out of it this was just like yeah, this, this, this was life yeah. this is
1: what you're accustomed to yeah. this is what we did every day day in day out mm. week in week out year in year out so it just became part of life so would have fought the first time went to jail would have learned mm. second time third time but you'd have stuck in a cycle yeah because lack no education criminal record yeah. no one's employing you so when you come out now where are you going to get work
2: it's mm, true
1: so it forces you back on the road yeah but there's no options and there's no options yeah. and you know you can make money from that aspect yeah all right so, so, let's, let's even think about that family
0: so like during that time of course like in and out yeah but what's the effects that's happening on your family because like if you think about it isn't that going to be extra motivation to like Stop, or do you feel like you also just like numb yourself to their feelings, or you just
1: feel like this is your your only way. It, it, to like it's um, it's not back. that it's not that you've numbed yourself and you're not really conscious of people's mm. feelings. You're not thinking about no one. Yeah, you're only thinking about you. When you're on the road, you're thinking about you, your safety, your what you're gonna achieve today, mm. what money you're gonna make. You're just thinking about you. You're not thinking about consequences. Mm. It's when the consequence comes now. It's already come.
2: Yeah.
1: You see, when I when I look back now, I look back with with certain sadness, aspects of sadness, because um the amount of times my mum cried mm. over me, the amount of time yeah, she, she cried tears, the amount of time she's come to hospital or she's come to visit me in prison, in all the prisons I was in, mm. my mum was always there. So she's literally in time with you? Yeah, you're you're, you're dragging them through. You don't realize that once you go on the road, you take your family on the road. Mm. And whatever consequences you get from the road, it affects your family too. Mm. But while you're in jail, your family's in jail. Because now my mum has to find money to come and visit me. She got to find money to send to me for private spend. She got to find money to buy clothes to send to me to prison.
2: Mm. So
1: all it really created was an extra burden on her. yeah. But at the time, you don't see that because you're just in your world,
2: mm.
1: and you're just in your world. And um, how uh, I know it's a lot because like you're just clouded by your own thoughts. and like nothing else yeah. matters. Just yourself. Yeah, you can't see anything else, yeah. and it's a, it's a shame because you can't mm. see further than your nose. Mm. And when you do look out, you blame everybody else. Mm. So you're outward pointing. This is the reason why I'm here, and this is why, and I'm angry because of this and this mm. pointing out. So just flat and everything yeah, we, we, like, we yeah. never look inwards and you're not encouraged to no one teaches you that yeah Oh, it's everybody's fault but yours yeah but yours
0: so like even in terms of like Joe like I know people don't really speak about how it's really like <laughs> like being in the room um but even like they're suffering emotionally no one really speaks about it it's as if like it's just
1: it, casual yeah. um This is what I do with young people. I I like to, there's a saying, when you win, you can lead. Mm. When you lose, you can guide. Mm. And I see myself as a guide. I say, don't go down that road because there's a whole heap of dogs down there and they will yam you up. Mm. I've told you, I've warned you, if you want to go down there and get shred up, that's up to you. Mm. But now I can guide you. In the same way, when I talk to young people, especially when I go into prison and see them, we talk the truth. It's important because everybody's trying to soldier this thing. I cry a whole heap in jail. Enough man cry in jail. So when I go into jail and I speak like that, and I speak that I cried when I was in jail, especially after a visit, when I had to see my, 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 my female or my mom or my youths, when there was my young son, when he was coming to prison. Yeah, when I went back to the soul, and you're back to reality, I told you, you're bald, like mm. a baby, because you, you miss your family, you can't get to them, and you hear things, and you can't react, you can't do nothing, you're helpless in prison, so enough people cry, I've been to court so much time, with young people, when they get sentenced, and see them cry, when they come out, they, they've rolled it like a soldier, and mm. they give it all the big and but in reality, you must cry, if you don't cry, something's wrong with you, mm. um, Jail takes so much from you. It strips you of yourself. I never heard my name called for, for 18 months. Oh, it's so numbers, yeah. Yeah, they call you by your last name or by numbers. Well, at that time, they, they called me Dreddy when I was in jail. Mm. But um, you never hear Colin. You're never going to hear that. No one's going to call it unless someone knows you from outside mm. personally. Your so whole
0: identity is gone.
1: It, it's gone. Yeah. You're just a number. Now, you never open a door for yourself. You can't even open up a door. You've got your own bedroom, your own electric. They wash your clothes for you. They do everything for you. Uh, so see. jail ain't really encouraging you mm. to get any better. Mm. What people don't realize is the disrespect of it. I've been with my, my partner now for 35 years. And we've never shared a toilet together. Mm. But you go to jail and for all that time you're in jail, you're sharing a toilet with another man, a man you don't know. So for the whole time you're in there, if he goes toilet in there, you both have to breathe that. Mm. You see, you wouldn't do that with your female. You wouldn't do that with a woman that you love, just share a toilet with her. But that's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a bed inside of a toilet. Mm. So, um, yeah, prison's degrading.
0: Was it different of that That's probably the hardest one. Like the yeah. hardest part of it.
1: Yeah, I was, I was on 23 hour bang ups. Yeah. Single bang up. I've done single bang up, double bang up, four man bang up, six man, dorm. So, different jails. But when you're doing single bang up and it's just you one in that 23 hours a day, if your mind's not strong and you're not focused on something, it would weaken your mind. And that's why when you find a lot of young people when they come out of jail, they've come out of jail on this high horse that they've survived jail. But it's, it's a facade. When you sit down and you talk to them properly, you can see the amount of mental health issues they have, the amount of experience that they've seen, the amount of things they've heard, things that you shouldn't see, things you shouldn't hear, things you shouldn't experience. But they've already experienced those things. And because we're just dealing, most time people like to glorify going to jail. I went to jail, I had no beef in jail. I had nothing at all. I had a kind of yeah, I had a, I had a, a, a kind of smooth transition through jail. Yeah. But some people have jail is like hell. Some people, once you get victimized and you get bullied and you can't defend yourself, yeah, jail is the worst place on the planet to be.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, people think that it's a club right now. The amount of people going to jail and giving up their freedom so easy is so sad, it's hurtful. Because they think Joe's a bed of roses and they think they're going to see all their man them. But sometimes you go Joe and your man them might be in a London jail like Felton and they send you to Scotland. Send you to Wales. And when you land in one of them jails and you've got none of your man them around you, yeah, it could be peak for you.
0: Yeah. Did, they, did they visit you as well? Huh? Did they visit you?
1: Your man them? Yeah. I tell you the truth, you know. I was, um, I believe I was that guy. Yeah. And that was the kind of mentality. I had a lot of friends as I believed. When I went to jail, only one person, one man came with me. One. Yeah, one. I've been stabbed for man, I've been jailed for man. Not not spoken, held it down, fight for man, put a lot of sacrifice for man. But when I went to Joe, I learned a lot about people. And it's something that I teach young people right now. You've got to learn about the people that you say you're friends. Because you're making big sacrifices for people who are temporarily in your life. They're not there for long. They might be with you for two strong, blazing years. But once they're settled and their, their life plan is... It's the thing, we're, we're on the road, we're professing to be a team, but everyone's got their own individual yeah, dreams and, and goals. Yeah, i there for themselves. Like, yeah, yeah, you're there for yourself. Yeah. I said, if you really wanted to do the gang thing properly, you would do the gang thing properly.
2: Mm.
1: You'd run it smoothly. You, there would be some kind of rank and structure. Mm. Anything that goes out is collected by all, it's put down, like, like a business. But when you're running out doing your own thing and I'm doing my own thing, and going out and putting in work and not telling you that I've put in work mm. and left the block and leave you on the block now to take the consequence. Mm. See, right now, yeah, today today is a kind of complete different. It's like all the unwritten rules and all the unwritten laws. They've been rewritten. In fact, they've been turn, torn up. So I say the same road, same game, different players. And um, the young people don't understand what the road means, what it symbolized. We went on the road because we were poor, because the system pushed you on the road. So the system forced you, so you had to go on the road, which is the lower form of living. You had to go on the road to survive. But the whole onus was to come off the road. But to take yourself when you don't need to go on the road and go on the road, I know some young people with double-fronted houses, their parents have got money, they can buy them a house if they wanted mm. to, but they're doing the routing. And see, that I don't understand. Mm. Um, like I said, we, we we had no choice. It was part and parcel of life. So, um,
0: man, when you said that only one of your friends like, came through, mm-hmm. how was that for you, man? Because like, that's it. I said like, I rate
1: him, he's my brother today. Yeah. Yeah. We're still, we're tight, yeah. tight, tight, tight. And, um, I talk to him about it all the time. Yeah. yeah, his ratings. Yeah. And some people, people talk the talk and some people walk the walk. Yeah. And I'm a person, I, I watch people's actions. You yeah. could tell me whatever you want. I uh, Just watch your actions over time. And if your actions match up to your word, I've got time for you. Mm. If they don't, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste yours. I remember before, like when we last spoke, you were saying something about that, how... If anything, it's
0: easy to be on the road. You
1: don't have to have no qualifications. It's it's the easiest form of anything in life Mm. because you don't need qualifications to go on the road. You don't need a personality. You don't need any skills. You don't even need a character. You don't even need to talk Mm. to just go on the road. So you've not tested yourself. You haven't even known what potential lies within you. But what it happened, we're misguided and we keep on trying to use this smartness we believe we possess to try and beat a system which we don't understand. But you're not coming back to elders and saying, Boy, what's happened before us? Yeah. No, they're just doing their own thing. They're just cut loose. Until now they believe it's their time and they make the decision. Yeah. Not realizing that we're all victims of the same system. Mm. But no one's really talking about
0: their experiences, like even with jail, like you're saying. So like, no one's really going in and talking about how it's really like, because it's not the the um, the the main thing that they're losing. Like you said before, it's time. Yeah,
1: that's what you do. You, you when you get sentenced to yeah. five years, it's five years of your time, five years of your life. To the letter. You see, that's what we're giving up. You can't get them times back. Mm. You can't get them back. You can't get them experiences out of your life because Mm. they shape you. When you're in Joe, Joe is like being a rat. It's learning to survive. And whichever scavenging, surviving. But it's scavenging. We used to get matchsticks and and get a razor blade and cut them into three. Mm. You had to make things last. So it's a lot of scavenging and surviving, Joe. And if you're in there so too much, you become institutionalized. Until even when you come out, you still do those same things. You live like a survivor.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, that's why a lot of people have it hard when they come out, adjusting back to life outside. Yeah, Because it's challenging. Prisons a complete different world. So when you go in there, it's a complete different world. You've got to forget the outside. You've got to yeah. forget about it. And, um, understand the culture and the world you're in right
2: now yeah
1: and some people find that hard because they hold on to the both and
0: um you know even coming out like what was your mindset like because let's say oh, after all those bouts of being in jail
1: what made you finally change direction completely That's it. Every time I came out of jail, the first thing you experience is prangness. It's prang because everything's loud, mm. everything's noisy. There's cars, there's all bikes and yeah, people yeah. moving about. Everything is too much, so you're prang for a minute, and um, take you a week, two weeks to settle. Um, many the the times I came out first is you come right back out into the, to the headlights. Mm. It's all exciting. Everyone's happy you're out. Everyone's celebrating you on back on the road. Mm. So what happened is you get caught up in that mm. until you do don't, yeah, thing, you do yeah. the same thing until it happens again. I had a, I had a next door neighbor next to my, my partner mm. and he was a painter, decorator. And he tried hard to teach me to paint. And he asked me and asked me and asked me to one day. He said, I'll give you 60 pound a day to come in and train you to paint. I just thought, what, are you going to give me 60 pounds yeah. in my hand? He said, yeah. So I went, in, I went with him for about three, four weeks. And um, he was a top painter, some beautiful houses. I was impressed. The amount of money he was getting, I was impressed by it. And I learned to decorate. And then I went to jail. Yeah. Um, oh, right straight there. after? Yeah, I went to jail. Yeah. So now, while I was in jail, I'd done plastering and tiling in jail for 10 months so that now just coincided with the decoration when i came outside now this last time on the fourth one i i was determined i'm not going back to jail um and that was it i just went out one day i saw some firm doing some outside decorations of some flats yeah and i went to them and said yeah i'm a painter yeah and they said, You've got tools? I said, Yeah. And they said, You could start tomorrow. But mm. well, I went and I bought some tools yeah. and came and just kind of blagged it. Learned from the other painters, blagged it. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's and nice. All because he gave you an option. He gave you a solution. Me he gave you some option. skills. Yeah.
0: Like, most of the time, people haven't got solutions or options. Like everyone's saying, Oh, yeah, you need to do this instead. But like, what are you
1: giving them instead? Like, I said, you see, right now, everyone's looking for quick and easy money and there's yeah. no quick and easy money. Yeah. Um, money comes quick, but the consequences doesn't make sense. Mm. So there's no quick and easy money, but there's a lot of money to be made. You see, I, I, I was a builder for 21 years. So from the decoration, I went on to learn carpentry, tiling, plastering, like I said, so when they say jack of all trades, master of none, mm. that's a lie. Because you can be good at a lot of things.
2: Yeah.
1: It depends on your heart and what you put in it. Mm. And because I'm doing it, yeah, you got to put your love in there. So um, I've done that for 21 years. I made a lot of money
2: doing building work.
1: And it's funny because um, it was building work that kind of got me into this work. Mm because I was kind of hearing all the kind of things that was going on outside, you know, the youth, them, the kind of problems they was getting in. I took some young people to come and work in the building. Yeah, like yeah. I used to own a, a, a decorating company called Felix Decor. So I took a couple of young people that way. And I thought, yeah, by putting them into work, probably help them. But I didn't understand the dangers that they was facing. And how dangerous it was for them. Oh no, I said, bruh, doing this building work. When I was doing this building work, I was thinking, every time I was fixing up a house, I was thinking, that could be a young person. They just need treatment like this. They need a bit of patience. Mm. They need a bit of sandpaper, you know, smooth them down in some edges. They need some building up. Some need tearing down and complete building up.
2: Yeah.
1: I kept on thinking about the young people and then, um, I was called to Enfield. An organisation was working with some young people over there. And when I went over there, I saw their kind of gang problem. And um, I wanted to work with those gang youths. So I started to make contact with them. But unbeknown to me, we had 11 gangs in my borough. And they were warring against each other. And I knew quite a few of the kind of, more serious man then. So it was a smooth transition to come back to Wolvenstone and work with gangs. Mm. So all I wanted to do was to stop them killing each other. I said, I'm not here. I'm not a policeman. I'm not here to stop crime and how you make money, but we can't keep cutting up the road by killing each other, stabbing each other, busting shots. I said, I thought you man was talking about making money. You can't make money now. Nah. Make the road so hot, beer, police about. It's make it hard. So we tried for a truce, and that was what I kind of went into this work to do, try and get a truce.
2: Mm.
1: And then, yeah, you end up young people. They they want to know who you are, what you're about, why you keep coming around. Who are you? Are you police? I said you're not that important. <laughs> you know. So it was kinda like that. And then mm. you just got to know the youths. And I said, boy, what why not use man play football or nothing like that? He said, boy, we can't play football playing on concrete. I said, if you if I created a football team for you, would you do a ten week program with me? And they said yeah. What it is it? I took that group of young people and we done a ten week programme with them and we created a football team for them. Mm. It was funny as I met those young people, the, the riots started. But we went out now to go and stop the riots and make sure that they wasn't burning down Wolverhampton. That was the cry, you know, Croydon's burning, Tottenham's yeah. burning, don't burn down Wolverhampton." So I was out on the road and, and I saw these youths that we just planned two days ago to create a football team. Yeah. And I saw them. And I said to them, What are you doing out here? I said, Go home. And no word of a lie, they all went home. Mm. And I was so moved because I just met them. Mm. But they believed in what I was telling them so much that they listened to me and they went home. But mm. a long story short, every youth that got involved in the riot and got caught went to prison. Every youth. Bar these set of youths there. Man, um, we went on a nine year journey. Came a football team for nine years, mm. like family now and like my son. Yeah.
2: That's powerful, um, man.
1: Yeah. Like-
0: even before we move on, yeah, I want to know, like, how do you manage to, like, stay on that straight path? Let's say you've just come out of jail, yeah? You must be tempted to go back to the old that, or, like, was there anyone else trying to pull you back in? Because that's what other people face as well, like, today. So, like, if you were to, like, advise someone that's trying to move away from everything, like, what, what does it take?
1: You see, my my path was was a fortunate path, you know, and that's what I, I, I look at it as. Because like I said, the man, he set me up, he gave me that option. When I came out of jail the fourth time, my partner and my sisters and all them was going to church. Mm. And I, I went into all them Hallelujah Christians and all them kind of things there. So I was disappointed. And um, one day I was at my mum's and they had some meeting in there and they was talking and my mum said, go and listen to them people there. And I said, I'm not really into them Hallelujah people there. I ain't got time for that. She said, go on, Colin, do it for me. So I said, oh, cha. She's got a through lounge. I was at the back of the through lounge. No one couldn't see me. And this lady was talking, and she was just saying these things like she was talking to me. She asked me this question, and um, she said, boy, would anyone like to accept Christ in their life? And something in me said yes, and something said, no, don't be stupid. Remember boy at that time there I'd set up with some guys from Holland and we was gonna bring over some trips. And um, I wanted to buy a black BMW, a red leather interior, and that was the kind of mindset. But when the lady said this, it kind of it challenged me.
2: Mm.
1: And then I said, Nah, the fighting, battling with myself, and then something said, if this if it's not true, then just continue what you're doing. Mm. When I, when I went into the room now and I said, me, everybody starts screaming, didn't realize there were so much people in the room and mm. made a big fuss of it. But I think it was that kind of unit of people, not so much the church, but it was that group of people. The amount of love attention that they gave me, the amount of time they spent with me, a lot of the mothers, the way they, they dealt with me, I was now getting instruction from older men. Mm. so I kind of it set me kind of straight it made me look at things it taught me to look at myself and put my hands up for what I've done because I, I I blamed everybody my whole life I blamed my dad for leaving me when I was a month old I was angry with children that had mums and dads beat up children that had mums and dads so I was carrying all that kind of energy and I didn't realise and that's what it was. That's what was making me fight. It wasn't so much that I was bad, but I could fight. Mm. And um, that's what it was. Yeah. And I, I tell young people, to be bad now is easy. Because all you've got to do is just put on a bad attitude, frown up your face, drop your <laughs> trousers, and put on a walk. Yeah. In my day, if you couldn't use what God gave you, you, you couldn't go on the road and say, you're, you're any bad man. Mm. You had to be able to defend it. We carried weapons too. I had enough fights carrying a weapon because there was no reason for me to end your life. Mm. It was a, a a misunderstanding or you thought that you can chuck it. But that was the only reason. The only time to kill someone, someone had to do something kind of out the box. What the young people are doing right now, the disrespect levels are so high. I just can't imagine yeah receiving disrespect like that mm. someone kidnapping your mum putting your mum in a car boot. you know kill your brother sing a song don't care if your mum cries yeah i i you couldn't do them them, them violations you couldn't yeah. even speak them in my time and um that's why it's gone so haywire right now yeah that's why the levels have gone so far but yeah it was a, it was an opportunity it was an option it was a path for me because now I had to deal with right and wrong. Yeah. It was a path for me.
0: So in and, some way you still got some guidance. Like that seems to be like, that yeah. was the, one of the main things. Yeah, for you.
1: that was the guidance. I yeah. mean, going through the church, I went to Bible school, yeah. um, and the whole nine yards really researched that Bible, that book. Yeah. I see, um, I see church as a school. And, um, once you, you've got to leave school, and you've got to put what you learned into school, into practice, or you go for further education. Which yeah. I went for further education. Yeah. But um it was good for me at that time. I, I needed that because I was I was an extremist.
2: Yeah.
1: And um I had friends, they they was frightened of me. I had cousins didn't want to go out with me. Um it was funny because um yeah, certain man them especially from Hackney, when they heard I was in the church, they came to find me. Mm. They thought I had a mental breakdown. They thought that, yeah, I'd gone mad. The man said, until he speaks to me, (laughs) he's gone mad. And when he saw me, he said, there must be a God Mm. because Colin's not mad. Mm. Um, That was the kind of thing. But it was a nice, it was a journey, like I said. I needed that. But I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. So going into something that was functioning, it suited me well, and it gave me an option to realize that life could be better than this. Yeah. And I, I made a vow when I was a young man, and I said if I ever have children, I would never leave them. And uh, true to my word, got four sons, never left them. Mm. My oldest is 33, my youngest is 20. And I felt good about that. I felt good in repairing. A generational curse.
2: Yeah. In fact,
0: let's speak about that. Actually, like dysfunctional homes, broken homes, single parents, single fathers. Like, do you feel like that is the main reason for, um, people going out on the the road, or do you feel like it's more to? Because I, I remember watching even what you was on, um, TG surgery. I agree with what you were saying because like that guy made it seem like it was <laughs> so straightforward. Like it's a lot more complicated than.
1: Yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that um, removing the fathers from the homes, which we now understand was systematic. Not so much that man, them, just wasn't respecting women. It was a systematic move. But it removed the fathers from the home. Now, respect to women. Women train their daughters, but they raise their sons. They serve their sons. Mm. So the daughter gets prepared for life from the mum. She will tell her what it's like to be a female what to expect. told them about boys, told them about hygiene, told them about, you know, when their body changes, they train them. They just serve boys. Just serve them, serve them, serve them. So when boys get to a certain age and they're told now to man up, they've not been trained to man up. Because like me, I never saw a male example all the time. So People growing up in a house with a, with a mum and a dad, the mum and dad might have a little argument. The dad might go out the door, slam the door, come back in three hours' time, just eat his dinner, and it's kind of peaceful. Yeah. Where mums now, women don't fight. Women use words, and they use their words as weapons. Mm. So they cut you up with words. So, when women argue with women, they cut up each other with words. Now, being a, a male growing up in that, that's how you see argument. So, now when you grow up, you think that's what you're supposed to do cut people with words. But you see, man, man can't take words. Yeah. That's why it gets peaked. That's why they fight so much because we can't take words. The words lead to fight with us. So, I think that the examples of Growing up without fathers is detrimental on young boys because there's no example of how to be a man. All your examples are seen for how your mum expresses herself. 67% of the young people I work with haven't got no fathers. And when we get to a certain age, like I did, by the time I was 14, I'm man of the house. Mm. I'm physically strong, can't get beats no more. I'm, I'm the man of the house. so. In my immaturity, not seeing a man's example, I believe a man of the house does what he wants, make his own decisions, go where he's going, come back when he wants to. Though so I took on the wrong understanding of what it meant to be a man. Not crying, not bleeding, not showing no weakness. Yeah, I took all that on because that's what we was taught. Movies taught us that because no man in the home was an example. We're watching Sylvester Stallone and they drop out trees and cut up themselves and pick out (laughs) needle and thread and sew themselves up. So you're you're trying to be like that, not showing any kind of feelings. As I tell young people right now, I said, we wouldn't have tears in our eyes if we wasn't supposed to use them. That's strong, man. um, (laughs) It's the truth. And um, Because women are more prepared than us emotionally because they cry because they go and see each other and they express. See, man, them don't. We just hold that energy inside and you just hold, put more energy on top of more energy on top of more energy. Eventually the energy has to come out. Yeah. And because you're not going to express it, it's going to come out physically. Yeah. And um, that's what happened with a lot of young people now because they've got no one to express to. They've got no one to feel weak before. They've got no one to look up to. Keeps that fear. I've got four sons, me, like I said. I watch all their friends go into gangs. But I told my son, you can't go in a okay? gang. I said, your dad is an old man now, retired. And you can't do me nothing. So you're not ready for the road. Mm. And I never bring life to you to go and take someone else's life or someone to take your life. My boys understood. One of my sons didn't really understood. He thought that I was kind of spoiling his life. But in hindsight, now looking back, he's seen lots of his friends go to prison, seen his friends die. Mm. They've seen lots of their friends moved out of the borough. So, um, I raised my four boys like an electric fence, me. If you touch the fence, it electrocutes you. And every time you touch it, it's electric. Because we need boundaries and without boundaries, we mess up our lives. Mm. And during those six most important years called teenage years, that's where we do the most damage to ourselves that are, the consequences could be far reaching up to now. I've never been employed by anybody. I've never written out a CV application form, have you got Karuna record? Yes. What's your what is that, What are they for? Mm. So now, no work. Yeah, I've always had to create work. Um, it's just funny because my life has presented an opportunity for you for me to use all my failings and all my faults and all my mistakes mm. to guide other people mm. and say, listen, you know. I've been 14, I've been 16, I've been 23. But you've not been 52. I want mm. you to get to my age. Yeah. You see, before you, there was gangs. But they never called them gang. Called them crews, called them man them, massives. Never called them gangs. The government was strategic in calling them a gang. Because when the youths now look for an example of a gang here, they couldn't see it. So they took on Americans, example. Mm. and Now they've brought America to England. And England's not like that. A lot of the youths are not like that. But it's become now youth culture. It's not gang culture anymore. Mm. It's not like we're dealing with gangs. We're just dealing with collections of youth. Yeah. When I was growing up, you knew all the bad men in the area. and You knew all the potentials. You knew who were civilian and who were soldiers. Today, they're all soldiers. And um, it's sad because working with them, a lot of them ain't got the minerals for it. Mm. And they're the ones, unfortunately, that all the harm comes to. So in my quest, working with gangs, first time I only worked with hardened gang members. And all that done was take me to court, Take me to hospitals, take me to funerals, take me to prison. take me to police stations. That's all that done. It took me about nine years to realize the harm that those 5% of individuals are causing to the 95%. Mm. A lot of young people won't leave their homes now for fear so they just stay in their room and game in. A lot of young people can't go over there to visit family. They can't play football. They don't feel safe running around in a big open field. So, what gangs have actually done to the community as a whole has brought so much fear and so much distrust. The old ladies are scared. I get mothers calling me because you've got 15 youths on the staircase, making a hole noise, spitting, smoking weed, leaving their bottles all over the place, not listening. And you just turn up and yeah, you just reason with them. Mm. Um, it's taken me years to make relationships with them. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: let's let's speak about that now. So like Gangs Unite, so like, what is it you're trying to do? Obviously, it seems like it's obvious why <laughs> you
2: started it. So yeah. just tell us about it.
1: What it is, is young people are the most important things right now. They're so important. They're so precious. They don't understand. But we're, it's disconnected. And it's media that has disconnected everybody. Because when you, if you listen to the media, you'd think that every young person's carrying a knife. You'd think that every day someone's dying, someone's getting stabbed. It's not like that. When you look at the numbers of deaths last year, there might have been like 126, 146. When you look at that on larger scheme of things, it's a very, very small percentage of people. But because of the fear tactics and the media, now it's making every young person feel they need to arm themselves just in case they become the next victim. But it's also made parents think, These little demons, everyone's kind of scared of them. So you've kind of left them to themselves. This is where the anger continues because they feel unwanted. They feel unneeded, misunderstood, left to fend for themselves. And when I talk to them, that's what they tell me. They're angry with the older generation because it's like we've left them. The older generation just believe that the youths have disconnected themselves. So we have to bridge the gap. And we've got to go back and find our young people and let them know what is happening to them in this country, especially. Um, the way that, why they're being targeted. It's not only them. When I was a teenager, target all the time. Police man calling me by my first and second name like they was my brethren on the road. <laughs> and they make a cuss.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, one time I got arrested at Wogenstow Central. They put me in the back of a van and stood on my back all the way to Chinkford Police Station, you know, and then get to the station and beat me up. So police haven't changed. Just new personnel, new people, but exactly the same agenda. Oppression, force, control. Exactly the same. How did we move away from the police? Once you take yourself off a front page, because a lot of these use they're front page. Mm. They want the police and everybody to know who they are and what they're doing. We never spoke nothing. My left hand didn't know what my right hand knew. If I was about in that time we had social media, you wouldn't see a post from me. The amount of things I do now, I don't post like that. Mm. Because I think what I, it's nice to see people posting and showing the work that they're doing, but some people post everything they do. Yeah. I talked to this young person, they post it, everything they do. I said, if I posted some of the works that we've done, it would look like I'm showing off, Yeah. but your left hand mustn't know what your right hand knows sometimes. Mm. And that's what keeps people safe. Mm. That's what keeps their business safe. Because it's um yeah sensitive business it is, and um not a lot of people want to put themselves. It's vulnerable. Yeah. Because you're tough your whole life, and now you 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 being vulnerable, you're letting someone see your weakness.
0: So with gangs, in that um, speak about that a bit more. So like, what you're using it to bridge a gap between between gangs, try to mediate between them. also taking in youth.
1: In a week, like, let everyone know about yeah. that as well. It's us, um, Gang Unite is um, everywhere community interest company based in Wolverine Forest. Um, we're just into anti violence mm. knife or gun or hand, just anti violence, any kind of oppression of someone else. We're just against it within our community. It's just the fact that we're doing it so much to ourselves that is what is disheartening but this is what we stand for we're just anti gangs anti thing like that trying to build a community of common unity mm. that we understand that we 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 all the world is small i go to funerals of the perpetrator and the victim's families are still in there i go to funeral, i know the perpetrator i know the victim mm. and there, it is tough and then when you realize that the, our generation we all know each other yeah but we wasn't like our parents. When I was growing up, I knew all my relatives. I spent time with all my relatives. We, we slept together. We bathed together. All my relatives, uncles, aunts, cousins, nieces, nephews. It's like our generation. It's like we kept our children to ourselves. So we never let the children know each other. So nine out of ten times, brethren's children are at war. Family's children are at war. And I think that's where we let them down on that, that, that aspect there, that we never kept the compound type family structure going.
2: Mm.
1: Um,
0: so how can other people get to know your service if you want to
1: join or anything like that? Is it open to everyone else? Uh, what's the age group as well? I, I said we, we do so many things at Gangs Unite. We're, we've got a wonderful building over in Wolverhampton off of Black Horse Lane. Um, we We offer so much things education, the ability to learn a building trade mm. um t shirt printing hat making mm. screen printing graphics mm. um create a business yeah um we've got studio music studio there um yeah, we just do a lot of things there we've got an alternative provision there yeah. or, um when young people get thrown out of school, we get referred young people. We take referrals to, um, many parents don't want their children to go to pruse. And I, I understand that because they're prison rehearsal units. <laughs> and um, that's what they're, they're preparing you for mm. prison. And when you look at the percentage of young people that go to Proust, when you look at their their life after that, many of them have gone prison or they just failed dismally educationally so we help parents in that sense there we bridge the gap but if you don't want to send your child to a pre you can send them to our alternative provision
0: that's nice nice and so that's the what's
1: that the journey yeah this is our booklet um you can see it on our website it's on it's on there digitally on the website it just kind of shows our journey since we've been in this building since 2016
0: i've got got a question you don't have to reveal it but what would you say is a, a long-term vision? My
1: what's long-term term goal? My, my, my end goal right now, well, what's on the next on the pipeline? Mm-hmm. I see myself as a street father, me. Mm. And I, I spent a lot of time on the road, going from block to block, from park to park, wherever the youths then were. And um, I built some good relationships with young people on the road. And they, they, they call me pops. They kind of see me as a father figure. I, I wanted to increase that more. And instead of the amount of young people that I've reached myself personally, if there was two, if there was three, if there was four, if there was five, if there was ten, we can reach so many of our young people. Mm. and um, We're waiting for them to come to us, but we need to go and find them yeah. and let them know that we care about them.
0: Yeah. So, so how are you doing that? How are you reaching out to them? Are you going to schools or...?
1: See yeah I, I, I'll get into anywhere where any yeah. anywhere schools colleges prisons wherever wherever they would let me go I would go in there. Yeah. But we're, what where we're trying to do now we're building a team right now as we're talking. with street fathers. And um going to get a group of men to just go in the community and just go and look for our our young people. Mm. And That's our so offer powerful assistance, yeah. and advice and opportunities. Let yeah. them know that there is options.
0: Yeah. So do you see it as like Older generation's duty to come back down and like father, of course.
1: Um, younger generation, of of course. Yeah. It's um, too many absent fathers, and for whatever reason, they're not good enough mm. because we're losing our children. Yeah. So um, for for mothers and fathers who have beef for whatever reason personally, they've got to put them aside right now for the mm. well-being of the young people, and whatever. It takes in order to have the father in the life, unless he's a threat, unless he's a threat to the child's well-being, but once he's no threat to the child's well-being, you've got to let access to the fathers now. I respect the mothers, and they've played their role well for many, many years. If it wasn't for them, there'd be no community, there'd be no families, mm. there be, there'd be nothing, and it would all dismantled because the man then we've gone AWOL, We've gone AWOL and we need to come back and represent and take our place. Mm. But we're the covering. Yeah. Now, if you take away the covering, it's exposed. And they took all the men from the families, all the fathers. Now they're coming for the sons. Mm. And they are taking the sons at a faster rate than they took the fathers. Mm. So it's our responsibility and our duty. Mm. With every breath in our body, it's our responsibility. It's
0: powerful, man. It's powerful. I'm quiet in this one because this man just speaking the truth. <laughs> do you know everything you're saying just hitting the chest, man. Like you're doing a lot. You're a true leader, true innovator. I won't be surprised if you end up being um, uh, a new Martin Luther King, man. Because like, honestly, like you're doing a lot for uh community and like just trying to do whatever you can to stop people from killing each other and also giving themselves hope and a future. Um, I feel that it's very powerful what you're doing because the fact that you see it as your duty you can easily just say that I've got my kids that's my
1: focus but your heart is fully there they're, they're our legacy they're our inheritance yeah without no inheritance what we're going to have going forward mm. we've got no legacy we've got no yeah. young people yeah. actually you know what what's, yeah, what's the motivation what's the
0: motivation yeah because I can clearly see that there's a motivation there's a clear passion that you really want to go for it completely something that's yeah. not stopping you. Like, yeah. No matter
1: yeah. what challenges are coming, you're like, yeah, I still got to do this.
0: Let's keep yeah. you motivated.
1: Yeah. If, you're, if you're willing to live for something, you've got to be willing to die for it. Yeah. What's motivating me is, 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 um, we need to rescue our young people. Our young mm. people need rescuing, yeah. not just from the system, but from themselves, from the influences that they're around, the way that the kind of mindset of young people right now is so far away from ours. And we've got to kind of find the middle ground. When they understand who they are and the role that they are to play, they may change their kind of viewpoint in life. Mm. But we're trying to fight one way to hold the system away from the young people. But the young people are doing everything the system's saying that they're Mm. doing. So it's kind of... It's trying to put out a fire with spit. And that's what it feels like. It feels like trying to put out a fire with spit mm. and um the resources the resources are being withheld from you, and you're just trying to put out these fires
0: Alright, hey, guys, you got so many analogies
1: yeah, <laughs> so
0: many analogies you don't need to rewind <laughs> and just go back over all of these analogies because like they're very very like
1: you're a young man, you're so yeah. important, you're so powerful, and you you don't understand right now. Mm. But soon you're going to understand. Mm. And this is what we're fighting for. Mm. Because we're, we're, we're running a race and we've got to pass the baton on. Yeah. But the person we're going to pass the baton on, they're all falling down.
2: Yeah.
1: They're not there. So now we've got to run longer with the baton. We're old. Mm. We're getting old now. It would be nice to pass on the baton. But I've seen over the last couple of years that some real soldiers have raised And I'm really talking to the young people. I'm glad that certain men them that have lived the life have come back and they are talking the thing properly. Not talking that, yeah, I shot eight policemen and I I done this, a lot of them glorifying what they did. That's not gonna help young people. Mm. It's the ones that talk about the pain, the tears, the mental health issues, the fears. Because it's fearful, mm. the road. Every day you're on the road, it's fearful. Mm. Because when you're with the man them, you feel strong because you feel protected.
2: Yeah.
1: But once you leave the man them, you're the most scared individual on the planet. I saw a couple of young people one day and I stopped them on the road. And they was talking and they was looking all over the place like pigeons. And we spoke for about 15 minutes and I said to them, My back was faced to the road. I said, have I turned round once and faced the road? They said, no. I said, you know what that's called? They said, what is it? I said, it's called peace. I said, how much did that cost? They said, it's invaluable. And I said, yeah, you gave it away for free. And that's what it is. We don't know what it is that we give up. Peace of mind is the best thing, the greatest gift mankind ever got. Mm. When your mind's at peace, that's the greatest gift. Anything that upset that. And they're giving it away for nothing. Mm. Because they don't understand what is valuable. They think money and reputation is valuable. Mm. But money and reputation have got many men killed and many man's life ruined sitting down in jail. What
0: was that saying you said before? I think it was like, Abra, like Abrock. Abrock?
1: Abro. Yeah. Yeah. Abrok is, is our analogy, it means actions bring rewards or consequences. And um if I was gonna give you a key for life, give you a nugget, it'd be abrock. Because actions bring rewards or consequence. Every action we do bring a reward or it brings a consequence. And um it's not even a karma thing, it's just a law. If you put bad in the ground, you're only gonna get back bad. And so I always ask young people, I said, if I put corn in the ground, what would I get back? They said, corn. I said, could we get grapes? They said, no. I said, why not? Could you put corn in the ground? I said, exactly. If you put bad in the ground, what are you going to get back from it? Can't get good.
2: Mm.
1: And um, We take young people on a journey of their decision making. And by the time they look back at that journey, because you just write it down with them and you go through them all, and you see all the people that you hurt. You see all the times that you put man them before your own family. And I always ask young people, I say, who's the most important person to you? Always tell me their mum. When you go through their journey, their actions made their friends more important. Than you. And it blows them away. But um, sometimes we don't realize, like I said, you're just in a zone and you're just going, you're just living your life. And um, it's only when someone comes now and can put a word, and you can hear that that voice of reason, mm. then hopefully you can change. Uh, guys, please leave your comments in the um,
0: comment section and like the video. And if there's any questions that you have, please drop them there. My last statement to you is like, what's on your heart to say it to people? Just to leave with people, like, what's your message to? be the youth, it can be to parents, it can be both, like what is on your heart?
1: I said, you know, looking at that, as you asked me that question, the word responsibility came into my mind and we're responsible, we're responsible for each other, parents are responsible for their children, not the government, not policies, they're your children, you brought them into this world, they're yours. And you have to make the executive decision concerning them. We've got to challenge our young people. And if you cannot speak to a young person, find an uncle, find a friend, find someone like myself and let us come in and speak. Um, Parents don't be in denial because some parents are in denial of the behavior of their young people. And we can't be in denial. We've got to be responsible. Because the only way we're going to change it is when we're all responsible for it. It's not their failings, it's our failing. It's not them dying, we are dying. And um, that's what motivates me. I don't want to see another, I don't want to hear another young person died. I don't want to hear young people going into prison. Obviously, some people have to go to prison. But if we can stop that, constant conveyor belt of young people going to prison. And we can stop these deaths. And I, I think with the right vision and program and, and attitude and motivation to it, I think that we can do something mm. like that. Um, We're all responsible, we're all responsible. Every man, every woman, every child, we're responsible for how we are represented here for how we represent ourselves here, for the problems. We've got everything against us here, but there's a lot of opportunities still and we're missing the opportunities because we're taking the easiest route and it's not an easy route. It's easy because, like I said, you don't need qualification and that to go on there, Mm. but the consequences are harsh. They're harsh and, um, yeah, you don't know what consequence you're going to get you know your consequence, you can get arrested, get twelve months, suspended his sentence. Another man get arrested, get twenty seven years. You get stabbed, he lives, you get stabbed, you die. You don't know what consequence you're gonna get. So yeah, less consequences the better.
0: Okay. Um what are your contact details, your socials, how can people get in contact with you?
1: Or your organization? Um you, you, you can find us on the web um www. um org uk. Um we're on Facebook. We've got an Instagram, mm. but I'm not I'm not kinda Instagram savvy yeah. as yet. Um hands are too full, ain't got time yeah, for yeah. all the socials. Um what about that like numbers,
0: is a number? Yeah. Um, Sorry, if you don't know.
1: I know, I know, I know oh, my okay. numbers. Um, zero seven eight zero six seven five six zero nine two. That's a twenty-four hour hotline number. That one here um, gets answered all the time. You might get a message, call you back, but we would call back. So, for what circumstances, people? Um, people call for all kind of circumstances. Um, if you want to find out more about Gangs Unite, you can call. If you've got some young people that you might think that it'd be good for them to link with Gang Unite and we might need to talk with them. You can, if you're just a parent and you're worried about your young person and they're displaying things, you can call them. schools. Where were the school? Yeah, we're open. What
0: about um, your LinkedIn? Do you want to drop that there? Huh? Your LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, I've got my LinkedIn as well. She's on uh, um, I don't know if I've got it under my own name, my LinkedIn.
0: I'll add it into the description yeah. just in case it's oh, okay. the wrong one. Yeah, honestly it's been a pleasure having you on man like I've been quiet this one cuz I've been soaking it all in cuz like there's a lot that you were saying. Um I feel like a lot of people need to hear this like not just um young people parents as well um even those that don't even have children like we can all just be accountable for what's yeah. going on and just like do something because there's no good in just like sitting down and just observing just making comments, like what are you actually doing? Like have you reached yeah. out to your neighbour? Have you Come on. reached out to your nephew or niece? Like it doesn't matter if you've got a child or not, like yeah. you've all got a role to play. And so like See, I feel it? like the focus should be on what can you give mm-hmm. in terms of like solutions, all the opportunities. Yeah. What are you doing to help? Because a lot of us are being secretive and not really sharing how we got from A to B. It's like, oh I just See. did it. Like mm. very secretive. Yeah, you, you wanna show off in that, but you don't wanna say how you got there. It's
1: still selfish. And I think that's that's the issue. Like, help people. You, you see, so many people they might not have to go on the road and speak to you,
2: yeah.
1: but you've got you've got businesses where you can employ you. Yeah, you, you know want connection. You might have yeah. have. <laughs> it's connection. You yeah. might know someone that could employ a young person. You might have resources. Financially, you might be able to sponsor a young person to do something. Mm. So many young people want to do things and need a sponsor in order to do it. Yeah, there's so many different roles you can play. We give time. We keep worrying about money. But if we all gave an hour a week, if a hundred people gave an hour a week, you've got a hundred hours in the week to work from. All you've given is an hour of your time. Mm but collectively it's a hundred hours that can meet the needs of young people. Mm -hmm. So, it is, there's there's many reasons, many excuses, but at the end of the day, we're responsible Mm -hmm. because there are children and they're the next generation that came from us.
0: Honestly, I can sweep about this all day, I'm sure you can as well, but I want to make sure you guys actually listen to this as well, so we won't make it too long, but honestly, like I said, it's been a pleasure having you on, just keep striving to do greatness you're definitely having a legacy you already got one right now but i'm sure a legacy is just gonna grow into something bigger and i hope you achieve everything that you set your heart on also your family as well so like may it, long may it continue so like, that yeah.
2: thank you i appreciate it.